It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, the transfer portal is officially closed, and BYU seems to have done most of their work in the transfer portal. What to make of the guys who have transferred into the program? What are the overall thoughts on their current crop of transfer portal candidates? Let's dig into that on today's podcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where the motto is your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Thank you for either downloading or watching the show on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc., on down the list. Appreciate you guys taking the time to check out the show. It is a Mailbag Thursday edition of the podcast with you as his questions here in a moment. We'll also talk about BYU basketball facing off against Santa Clara. Hoping to get some redemption out there in the Bay Area in tonight's contest. A late night, by the way. 9 o'clock tip uh, for that game on CBS Sports Network. So, hope all y'all are ready to stay up late. Hopefully get a nap in at some point today to get ready for that one. We'll talk about that a little later on. But, wanted to start off today's show with a little bit of a look back. BYU in the transfer portal. The transfer portal deadline, or the window, I guess, for guys to enter during the winter period has closed. It officially closed yesterday, January 18th, and it means that all players who have not informed their teams that they are leaving uh, their program are locked in, at least through spring ball. They will have to wait until the transfer portal opens back up after spring ball. There will be a two-week period then for guys to go into the portal, and then at that point uh, you're locked in after that until the upcoming season, until the end of the season is what I should say, when the portal will open back up. There's only two windows a year now with the transfer portal, but guys who are in the portal have no deadline on when they ultimately are going to uh, sign with a new program, move on to wherever they're going to. A lot of teams out there, a lot of programs have already started school. BYU's ad drop deadline has come and went. So uh, anybody who is not already enrolled at BYU, I would imagine either is uh, not going to be playing for BYU this year or will be waiting until the summer until they ultimately decide to enroll. And that brings us to our first question of the day uh, coming in from our good friend, Ryan uh, Van Wagenen at VWAG23 says, sounds like Eddie Heckard is NFL bound. Now, I don't know that part of it, and I, Ryan is pretty well connected, so if Eddie Heckard is truly NFL bound, that would uh, kind of line up with what I'm thinking right now, because the ad drop deadline for BYU, like I said, to get guys enrolled and get them into classes has already passed. So Eddie Heckard, you would think him coming to BYU, he would have wanted to have been enrolled already, go through spring ball with his new program, get up to speed with the defense, all that stuff, and according to what uh, Ryan saying here, Eddie Heckard is NFL bound. He said, what is your call? Excuse me, your uh, cornerback big board going into the spring and who would you like to see them pursue? Now that's a great question, Ryan, because I thought Eddie Heckard was far and away the guy BYU absolutely needed to land in the transfer portal. He was a guy that Jay Hill developed into an all, uh, what, is, what did we say, an all-American uh, FCS, all-American at Weber State. He was a three-time all-big sky honoree. This guy had everything that you thought, okay, this is a guy who could make the leap to the power 
Power 5 level, help BYU bolster their secondary and come in and start right away. So that's a very, uh, if, if indeed he is going to go to the NFL, and to be clear, he did originally declare for the NFL draft before ultimately deciding to enter his name into the transfer portal to look at his options. So his original uh, premise of going into the NFL apparently is to be uh, seems to be the one that he is going to favor moving forward here. Now, with regards to other cornerbacks out there, I've already seen a few offers go out from uh, Gennaro Guilford, BYU's cornerbacks coach, one of them going to a kid uh, from Regis uh, in uh, Colorado, a high school program. Uh, I'm not 100% convinced that BYU has uh, completely gone through all of the different options they have in the transfer portal with those cornerbacks because, like I said, anybody who's in the portal right now, they're eligible to be signed by BYU. But the interesting part will be to see how BYU goes about this, Ryan. And to get to the bigger picture for this for BYU is that I I think BYU in the transfer portal, at least this go-round, did quite well. Uh, I think all things considered. I talked about this. I remember in the first week or so of the transfer portal, I had a number of people sending me DMs and messages saying, Jake, why is BYU not doing anything in the portal? They need to get on this. They need to sign guys. Well, I think as, as we kind of take look back at the past six weeks with that portal window being open, BYU did, I think, a fairly good job at bringing in talented guys. And that'll be interesting to see how they continue uh, to monitor this. Now, uh, let me, I'm going to talk about the guys who, who BYU did bring in, but there's one other question here that adds to this, and that's a BYU Fortray at Playoff Bogey on Twitter asked this, what position group uh, would most benefit from adding one more player via the transfer portal? Well, I think it's obviously the cornerbacks, especially if Eddie Heckard is not going to come to BYU. You absolutely need to bolster your, your secondary with a transfer or two in that cornerback group. One other group that I would like to see BYU maybe add a difference maker would have been the wide receiver position. And that's a third question here that we need to address here as well. That coming in uh, via John uh, no, excuse me, Nathan Wills asked this. Is there any word on Joey Hobart? Uh, any other wide receiver por- transfer portal targets? Seems like BYU needs to add a couple of dudes to the wide receiver room. Now, Nathan, on the Joey Hobart thing, I have heard nothing in regards to him and his interest and BYU's potential interest in him. That leads me to think that BYU maybe just uh, decided to, to move on and go after other prospects. Maybe they think they're actually okay at the wide receiver position. I, I don't know in particular about Joey Hobart's situation, but I think that, that at corner back on defense and a wide receiver on offense, if BYU still needs to bolster those uh, bolster positions on their roster, in my mind, from the transfer portal, those are the two they absolutely need to go after. So, Let's uh, take a real quick look at what BYU brought in via the transfer portal. Number one, they brought in one of the top running backs on the market in the transfer portal in Aiden Robbins, a guy who spent uh, a number of years at Louisville, also spent a season, a breakout campaign at UNLV, now coming to BYU, a guy that BYU actually wanted out of high school. I figure he is going to be an impact player from day one for BYU. I'm very, very intrigued by him. Uh, Similarly, Keaton Slovis, also a transfer in from the University of Pittsburgh, uh, formerly of USC before that. Uh, Slovis is looking to uh, continue continuing the legacy of NFL caliber quarterbacks being coached up by Aaron Roderick. His best season obviously was his freshman campaign at USC and it's kind of been a downhill slide ever since then and the slide is a relative term because he's had his moments uh, at USC and also had moments at Pitt, albeit the stats uh, overall weren't all that glamorous. I think he is looking forward to being a guy who's playing in a wide open offense for BYU and leading them into their Big 12 era. I I think that we cannot discount how much experience at the Power 5 level that Keaton Slovis has 
has that he brings to the BYU football program at quarterback. Now, Will Farron was also added to the roster here. He is a specialist, uh, figures to compete in the kicking game alongside Justin Smith and Cash Peterman to replace Jake Oldroyd at the kicker position. Uh, he was a kickoff specialist, saw sparse action during his time at Boise State, formerly a high school athlete in northern Utah here, so he's coming home in a way to play for BYU. We'll see how Will Farron does in the upcoming spring portal as he tries to win that kicker job. One guy that I think was getting overlooked in all of this is Isaiah Bagna and a defensive end slash outside linebacker. He's going to be a pass rusher for BYU, and I think he is absolutely a guy that BYU is going to unleash on opposing offenses. BYU's new defense under what Jay Hill is going to go about here is going to require guys to get after the quarterback. And Isaiah Bagna, two seasons ago, was Boise State's best pass rusher, led them in sacks. Can he regain that form? The hope is that he can because he dealt with a number of injuries this year at Boise State and then decided to leave the program and come to BYU. I think he has got the potential to be a breakout sensation for BYU if he lives up to his potential for the Cougars. So, like I said, I'm going down this list and I think every one of these guys, for by and large, is a hit of what BYU needed to get. Now, on the offensive line, you added Ian Fitzgerald, the guy coming in, a grad transfer from Missouri State at the FCS level. Played in a wide open offense similar to BYU's under Bobby Petrino at Missouri State. Actually only gave up one sack from his tackle position last year at Missouri State. That's actually a very, very good sign. He's a multi-year starter. He figures to be an impact guy on the offensive line for BYU alongside Waylon Lapuaho. Waylon Lapuaho spent an entire season starting for Utah State this past year. You cannot discount the experience he got as a true freshman 18-year-old playing on the offensive line for the Aggies. I know that he had his up and down moments, but you cannot discount the number of reps, the experience that he gained playing for Utah State that BYU is going to benefit from there. And then also, we talked about him yesterday, Paul Miley also coming in as the third of a trio of guys joining the BYU offensive line. Miley can play essentially any position along the offensive line for BYU if they need him to. I figure he either plays at the guard or center spot for BYU this season, and he's a culture guy. I absolutely love what Paul Miley is bringing to the program. He is going to have an impact like a, a guy like Houston Haymuley had on BYU, where maybe if it doesn't work out in terms of playing time, I expect him to play more than Houston, because Houston should have played more, but if Paul uh, comes in, he is going to be a guy that is just going to be 100% bought into this program. He wouldn't have picked BYU, Utah's arch rival, just for no reason. He is a guy that's going to come in here and expect to compete right away. Now on the defensive line, BYU got a potential starter in Jackson Cravens alongside Isaac Isaiah Bagna coming in from Boise State. Cravens is very familiar with BYU, having spent uh, his high school years playing just up the street at Timview High School. Cravens was a very, very solid player for Boise State after a stint at Utah before transferring to Boise. He's going to bring all of that experience to BYU's the interior of their defensive line. The interior of BYU's defensive line has got a number of bodies there, but proven commodities are in short supply there, and that's nothing against all the guys on that interior group. I, I, I really like the potential of guys like Naisamahe, Caden Hawes, Bruce Mitchell, on down the list. But how many of them have really proven anything? Jackson Cravens has got proven production at the at not the Power 5 level, but at the G5 level playing for Boise State. I think he is a day one starter. And then two other guys on the defensive line who are walk-ons transferring into the program include Wyatt Daw. Obviously, that last name should sound familiar. He is the younger brother of both Parker and Zach Daw. I don't think you can ever discount the Daw family. They're a family of wrestlers, guys who are just hard-nosed football players. He comes to BYU as a preferred walk-on out of Southern Utah. He figures to compete at defensive line alongside another transfer 
transfer from uh, Weber State, Nuuletau Selison, who comes in as a defensive lineman who actually had a pretty good campaign this past year playing for Weber State. So my overall takeaway is that BYU, in terms of addressing major needs in the transfer portal in this winter period, did a very, very good job. Is there still work to be done? As I mentioned, yes. I think cornerback is number one. You've got to go and bolster that cornerback position. you got to get at least one or two guys, I feel like. Is it a junior college transfer? Is it a, uh, a transfer uh, via the transfer portal? Is it a high school athlete you think he can be a day one starter? We'll find out. One guy who is also back, who I understand is enrolled in school at BYU, you compete who could compete at cornerback if his mission legs or, or the mission rust is knocked off his legs Marcus McKenzie obviously one of the twin sons of former BYU running back Brian McKenzie Marcus uh, came home from his mission for a period decided he was not going to go back out he only was out I believe eight or maybe nine months total on his mission decided that you know what I, I'm going to go play football instead he's enrolled at BYU and if he is is uh, if he's a hundred percent if he's healthy and he's ready to go you can count on him competing right away for BYU you. McKenzie is a fantastic athlete. There's a reason why Virginia and a number other of other Power 5 programs uh, wanted him and his brother Dominique to play for their program. They ultimately committed to Virginia. Broncos stepped down. They ultimately opted to, you know, let's say BYU is where we want to be. And his brother Dominique is out on a mission right now, if I'm not mistaken, figures to play more offensive-minded football than Marcus. But I think that the the cornerback position absolutely needs to be addressed by BYU in the transfer portal or just via uh, recruiting here in the final lead-up to National Signing Day. And then the secondary position BYU probably should look at, in my mind, but maybe they're convinced they have enough bodies there, is the wide receiver group. If you can find one guy who is a standout player, I thought Joey Hobart would have been a fantastic addition for BYU, a guy who finished, I think, eighth in the Jerry Rice Award voting, which is one of the top awards at the FCS level, had monster numbers for Utah Tech, a guy who got uh, NFL bloodlines, of course, with his father playing in the NFL. I thought he would be a fantastic addition for BYU, but for whatever reason, based on what I understand, BYU just has not engaged him all that much. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think that they're doing uh, some good things in the transfer portal, did some very, very good things in the transfer portal, but there's still work to be done for BYU in that regard. All right, we'll get to more of your questions here in just a moment. Address as many of them as we possibly can before we close out today's show. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at Bet Online. They are your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis, my friends. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Whether it's the NFL playoffs, uh, you've got futures odds on college football, basketball, both the NBA and college basketball realm. If you want to get in on any of that or anything beyond that, you've got it all at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts as well, you can even find those on their website as well. They are the fastest and the easiest way to get your sports betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more now. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. 
Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out our brand new podcast here on the Locked On College channel. That is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in, in one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players alike getting you the inside scoop on all things college hoops. That's Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. On to more of your questions now. Uh, next one coming in uh, was via Josh Glenn. And Josh, I actually missed this one last week. You sent this one a week ago, but thank you for your support as always of the show. He said, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. What approach would you like to see BYU take on its path to its first Big 12 title? And I'm assuming this is in football. Suffocating defense or overwhelming offense? Now, Josh, the, the history of the Big 12, at least recently, suggests that offense is the way to go in this. And actually, that's the one I'm going to opt for with my answer. I believe BYU's best bet to be a competitive program to be a program that can make noise in the Big 12 is to put together as uh, high-powered an offense as you possibly can make because nothing against what Jay Hill is undertaking here, but he has got a huge building job to get BYU's defense to the level that they can compete uh, at a very, very high level. Could they ultimately achieve that at some point down the road? Yes, I believe they could, but I think the BYU's best bet, at least in the early going of their Big 12 tenure, is to make life uh, just miserable for opposing defenses by scoring as many points as you possibly can and make it into a track meet. If your defense can get a couple of stops, that's going to lend itself to winning a football game. And by the way, offensive football, much more of an enjoyable watch TV product than defensive football is. I'm not saying that defense doesn't have its place. I know guys like Blair Red out there will be uh, cringing when I say that. But we all know that offense drive dr- offense draws eyeballs. And I would love nothing more than to see BYU do better in that regard. And they've had a really good offense the last three or four years. If Keaton Slovis can come in and unleash another uh, great offense for BYU, I- I'm not convinced. I'm not... I'm not I'm not unconvinced, or maybe I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to term that correctly, but I, I think that the biggest thing for BYU is that they can pick off some wins here with a high-powered offense, more so than I think with a defense that you're just hoping to hold teams down. Uh, the Big 12, it's all about offensive football. These, these are programs, especially the newcomers coming into the program, uh, into the conference, Houston, UCF in particular. Cincinnati's a little more of a defensive-minded team, or at least has been under uh, Luke Fickle, who is now at Wisconsin. We'll see what uh, they ultimately uh, decided to do under the new uh, tenure of um, who's the uh, who's the new coach they took uh, the Louisville coach. Uh Regardless, uh, the, the the identity for Cincinnati is up in the air. But Houston, UCF, BYU, what are they known for? Offense, and that's going to be something that they absolutely need to go after here. Now, Garrett asked a similar question to this. Is at SF Garrett says going into the Big Twelve, which three to four teams do you expect to be at the top of the conference for the first few years that BYU joined, and where do you think BYU's ceiling is during that time? That's an interesting question, Garrett, because I actually think the Big Twelve, even with what TCU did this year. It's not necessarily like TCU is here to stay as a juggernaut in the conference. Could they be near the top for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. But there's no reason to think that Oklahoma State cannot bounce back. There's no reason to think that a team like UCF, Houston coming into the conference can't compete. Cincinnati is just a couple of years removed from a a power, not a power five, a college football playoff berth. There are a number of great programs in this conference. Kansas State is the defending champion. I think we overlook that fact. They actually beat TCU in the Big 12 title game. You've got uh, Texas and Oklahoma there for at least one season. I think they'll be there for just one year and then ultimately bolt to the SEC. But I think that the biggest thing is that I'm not sure that what three to four teams I would say... uh 
I would say probably TCU. I'd say Oklahoma State. If, if Mike Gundy can get things figured out, he's obviously got a bunch of things going on there with the Cowboys, but they've got the reputation. They've got the history to be a power player. I think Baylor can rebound a little bit here and be one of the top teams under uh, uh, Dave Aranda's tenure. Uh, if Jeff Grimes can figure out his offense, I think, and their defense obviously failed them more so than their offense did, but they absolutely need to get on top of that. And I guess one other team to keep an eye on, uh, man, it's interesting. Uh, Kansas is on the come here. West Virginia seems to be just kind of treading water right now. So I'm not sure who else I would recommend uh, outside of those three. I'd say Oklahoma State, TCU, and Baylor probably are the ones I would think are the power players. But that doesn't mean that you can't compete right away. That's the thing about this Big 12 is that they have an opportunity to make things a lot more parity-driven than a lot of leagues, it feels like, in many ways. Our good friend Nick Lee, of course, host of Locked on Seahawks. Sorry about your uh, tough loss last week, Nick. But go Niners. Uh, Nick said, what will happen first in the Big 12 era, Jake? Men's basketball makes the NCAA tournament or football wins eight plus games. This is a no-brainer for me, Nick. Football wins eight plus games before BYU makes the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. And that's nothing against Mark Pope. It's nothing against the men's basketball product at BYU. And by the way, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country. I've, I've got an argument this year that all 10 teams currently in the Big 12 should be NCAA tournament bound, but I think BYU so far up against it to make it into the NCAA tournament at least early on in their Big 12 tenure that I would actually venture to say that football wins eight plus games before the men's hoops team makes the big dance but uh, I would love to be wrong I'd love to have both of those things happen but we'll find out on that um, the other thing about this Daniel Rigby I, I please don't cheese says why does it why does the men's basketball team struggle on offense so much it's been an issue the last couple of years before this too out of all the teams moving into the big 12 I am most nervous for men's basketball as you should be Daniel I think all of us are nervous for BYU men's hoops in the in the big 12 the biggest thing I think offensively right now is their inability to make baskets at a consistent clip if they were shooting 38, 39% and making that game in and game out, this would be a far more competitive and dangerous basketball team. But they have too many games where they go 50 plus percent from three, and then the next game they're shooting 10%, it feels like. The the boomer bust nature of BYU's offense, especially shooting the three ball, that is why I think BYU has struggled so much in hoops. And they, they need to find consistent shooting. They have upgraded the athleticism. There's no doubt about this. This is a more athletic BYU men's basketball team than it has has been in many, many years, but one thing that Dave Rose's and their first year of Mark Pope's tenure had, the elite three-point shooting, it seems to have gone by the wayside here. So can they strike a balance? Can they find that athleticism, keep that athleticism there, but also find some guys who are dead-eye shooters who can make shots consistently? That is where BYU's offense is going to need, and it needs an upgrade. There's no doubt about that. They absolutely need the upgrade there. Uh, BYU Gala, Cougar underscore Badger, good to hear from you. Uh, she says that Big 12 offenses are really fast and athletic with tons of talent, pa- excuse me, with lots of talented passing attacks. How can BYU be successful in year one with most likely the slowest team in the league well here's the thing uh BYU, back, if you go back and talk to any of the players from the 70s and the 80s, BYU's never been an elite speed team. What they have always been is been elite in terms of their route running and finding gaps in zones of defenses. Go back, if you have a chance to watch any of the former highlight reels or, or game tapes of the great offenses under Jim McMahon, Steve Young, even Ty Detmer, even as, as recently as I would say guys like uh, John Beck, 
watch what those quarterbacks do. They throw their wide receivers open, and their wide receivers are also smart enough to find gaps in zones and make themselves available to their quarterback. That is one thing I really like about BYU's passing attack because it's very smart. They run option routes. They have guys who understand, okay, if they're playing me in zone, i got to settle down into these spots. I need to find a gap in the zone to let my quarterback get me the football. If we're playing man-on-man, well, guess what? My route running needs to be as precise as it possibly can because on timing routes like that, the ball is going to be in a certain spot, and I've got to be right there because I've got about a 6-inch by 6-inch window for that ball to get through. That and You expect the quarterback, Keaton Slovis in this case, to get the ball there and deliver it on time. Well, the wide receiver's got to be to that spot on time or else that elite speed you talk about on defense for some of these Big 12 teams, they're going to pick that pass off and it's probably going to be a pick six. That's the thing is BYU, they've never been an elite speed team, but they've always been a cerebral smart team that finds holes in opposing attacks. And that's what Aaron Roderick has carried on. I know that they have better athleticism at wide receiver right now than they probably ever have had. I would say that. But the biggest thing is BYU, they're never going to be the fastest team in the Big 12. That's not going to be BYU's identity. That's going to belong to program like a Houston, uh, Oklahoma State, uh, go on down that list. Uh, UCF, uh, UCF screams to me speed. That, that's what UCF's rep is. BYU's rep is physical football. We're going to jam the ball down your throat running the football. That's one thing BYU needs to rely on is as a very, very good run game in that zone uh, run scheme. But at the same time, have a quarterback when they do pass the football, that ball is on time to the right spots, and those wide receivers are understanding of what the scheme is and getting themselves open. That's what BYU use best bet is going to be because like I said they're never going to be I I would imagine top half of the conference in athleticism that's just not BYU's history could they change that maybe so but I wouldn't bet on it all right uh, a couple other questions coming in here before we move on Travis Larson what is your early hot take for BYU football this coming year now that's interesting to me uh, Travis because that's a great question Uh, my early hot take is that I think BYU is going to win a game uh, if that's in Oklahoma a Texas they're going to beat some big dog they're going to beat a top 15 top 10 ranked team in Big 12 play this year. That's my hot take because that's just how this Big 12 conference seems to go. But I also add this. They will win one of those big games and they'll also lose one they likely should have won. Is that a hot take enough for you? But I, I think they will they will upset somebody monumental, but at the same time suffer one of those crushing defeats that make you think, what in the world just happened? There you go, Travis. That's, that's my hot take for right now. All right, uh, one final question here, actually uh, coming in just under the wire. B. McGarry at McGarry15. Which transfer portal player that BYU got this year will be the most impactful next year? Maybe I didn't address that earlier on, so maybe I'll answer that right now. Now, uh, B. McGarry, that's an interesting thought because there are so many guys that could have an impact. Uh, Aiden Robbins comes to mind as probably BYU's number one running back in 2023. Keaton Slovis is your starting quarterback. But I'm actually going to say, and I already maybe uh, kind of lifted the lid on this, I think Isaiah Bagna. I think off the edge as a pass rusher getting coached up by Kelly Papinga who has put a number of guys into the NFL edge rushers, linebackers and the like he, the litany of the litany of players that Kelly Papinga has developed and or sent to the NFL is long I think Isaiah Bagna is the next guy and I think that he will be the most impactful for BYU simply due to the fact that I am betting on him upgrading BYU's pass rush and bringing it back to a pretty elite level uh, maybe elite's too strong of a term but better than one sack a game that's probably a good place to start. And I think that he's got the capability of doing just that. So that's my hot take for you. All right. Uh, so there you go. Thank you for all of your questions. You guys were absolutely masterful. Oh, actually, no, we got one more. Uh, 
we'll get to that after the break. Uh, it's actually kind of a fun one. I, I think this is this is an interesting question. It made me think actually more than almost every one of these. And Ryan, uh, we'll get to your question here in just a moment. First, need to get a word in on our friends over at Built Bar. And of course, if you're looking for a delicious treat in this new year and you don't want all the fat and calories of your typical treats, then you got to try a Built Bar, my friends. The macros on these things are absolutely incredible. The best part is they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You'll be uh, feeling like you're eating a candy bar when you eat a Built Bar. But the incredible part is that the macros are nuts. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein packed into each one of these bars. You cannot beat it. The the combination of taste and the the health healthy nature of these bars, they're unparalleled. And the best part is you can get your uh, Built Bars right now by stopping into your nearest Smith's or Sam's Club today and grab yourself a box of those Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar bo- four box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, brownie batter puffs, and brownie batter puffs, excuse me, at your nearest Smith's today. Or if you're closer to a Sam's Club, run in and grab their 13-bar pack with their hit flavors, brownie butter and churro. You can thank me later. They're absolutely incredible tasting protein bars. That's the best thing about it. It's like you said, they're a protein bar. They don't taste like it. And that's what I love about them. Also, if you're looking for other flavors, you can go online to built.com. While you're there, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 for 15% off your order. So get it done, my friends. That's Built Bar. Uh, great sponsors of BYU football as as well. So check them out. That's builtbar.com, excuse me, built.com, or stop into your local Smiths or uh, Sam's Club today and get your Built Bars. Also brought to you today by our friends over at UCCU. And let UCCU make your family's dream of owning a home come True by making it more affordable. Right now, UCCU is offering a low rate 7 and 10 year ARMS, adjustable rate mortgage, with a rate inflation protection on it. That adjustable rate mortgage, or an ARM for short, comes with the initial low rate for 7 or 10 years. After that, it adjusts to a rate that it fluctuates based on the market. The big advantage of an ARM is that it comes with an initial rate that's lower than the conventional mortgage right now. We all know that mortgage interest rates are nuts. And with this lower rate, an ARM gives you more purchase power than a traditional mortgage. In fact, you get up to more 10% more house with an adjustable rate mortgage for the same payment as a conventional loan. Think about that, my friends. More house for the same amount of money. Plus, an adjustable rate mortgage can make qualifying for a mortgage easier for first-time home buyers as well. To learn more, get an ARM started today. Simply visit uccu.com. It's like the ARM that works best for you. Or stop by any UCCU branch today to get started now. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. We're a little bit over time here. So uh, real quick, uh, tonight BYU and uh, Ben's basketball is on the road at Santa Clara. Some of you will recall last year, BYU lost a heartbreaker in the final seconds out there at Santa Clara. Jalen Williams, now with the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, hit a runner with, I think it was actually just about a second left. And BYU uh, just yacked up that game. You can think about it. The turnovers they had trying to inbound the basketball, they made a cluster of that game last year, and they are looking uh, forward to making amends for it because Spencer Johnson talked about it. He missed two free throws in that game against Santa Clara that helped doom BYU in that loss. So they are back out there. Uh, taking on the Santa Clara Broncos. The Broncos, a decent team. 15-5, and five, currently fourth in the West Coast Conference. And essentially, this game comes down to whoever wins it will have the inside track at making a run at uh, St. Mary's as the number two or maybe the number three team in the West Coast Conference. It gives you that tiebreaker over uh, the other team if you win this one. And this should be a very, very good basketball game considering Santa Clara did lose Jalen Williams, like I said, to an NBA uh, uh, lottery pick this last year. But uh, Brandon Podzimiski, hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, averages 18.7 points per game, leading four Broncos players who average double digits. Carlos Stewart averages 14.9 14.9 points per game. Keyshawn Justice averaging a 13.2 points. And also Carlos Marshall Jr. averaging 10 points per game. Uh, 
Podzimiski also averages eight rebounds as well as their leading rebounder on the season. So this should be a very, very interesting game for BYU. It's a 9 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network. I'm probably going to record my Friday podcast during the game or just before it. So I probably won't have a full recap of the weekend until Saturday when we talk about both the USF game, which BYU will be playing on Saturday, up on the hill there in San Francisco, as well as this one against Santa Clara. But this is a huge game for just uh, the the conference. If, if you want to be a power player in the West Coast Conference this year, you got to win this basketball game if you're BYU. And there is a revenge factor in mind for these guys. Like I said, Spencer Johnson talked about it at media availability this week saying that the, the missed free throw by Jackson Robinson that uh, cost BYU in that loss to Gonzaga, he says, I can commiserate because we went to Santa Clara last year. I missed two free throws. And you may recall that watching that game. He missed two critical free throws that ultimately doomed BYU in that contest. So he, he understands it. He gets it more than most. And he talked about the fact that he approached Jackson and said, hey, hang in there. You'll be okay. And that, that's, the, that's the good thing about how BYU basketball operates is they play as a team. They're, they're not a group of individuals who is going to be like, well, okay, you, you sucked on that play. You, whatever this BYU team to their credit they they stick together and that's a, that's a commendable thing for this basketball program Mark Pope has done a good job there was a whole mantra a couple of years ago about the best locker room in America they've kind of backed off that a little bit but I, this is still a program that's got a very proud tradition and a lot of guys who care about one another so looking forward to this one it's a huge game high stakes in the West Coast Conference tonight 9 o'clock Mountain Time on the CBS Sports Network I expect a pretty healthy contingent of NorCal Cougar fans uh, to be out there at the Levy Center in Santa Clara watching this I uh, like saying Kim. I'm saying if you're out there, I'm sure you'll be uh, in attendance if you're capable of being there. There'll be a number of you out there. So looking forward to seeing BYU fans represent on a CBS Sports Network. And now as we go out the door here, the final question, the most important question that came in on today's show, it came in via Ryan Craig and a little Willis one. It says, Jake, what is your favorite flavor of BYU Creamery ice cream and why is it Fluffernutter? Now, Ryan, nothing against Fluffernutter, but I'm out on Fluffernutter. I, the, the marshmallow in Fluffernutter, that ain't my thing. Uh, with with ice cream, uh, I'm gonna give you two two flavors that I favor at the creamery, and I, I hate to admit this, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm gonna say it anyways. I have not had ice cream at the BYU Creamery in. Whew, who I've been married for eight years now, almost uh, coming up in a couple of months will be eight years. It has been since my wife and I were dating that I've actually been into the BYU Creamery to eat ice cream. It has been a hot minute, my friends, and I probably should rectify that at some point. But there are two flavors in particular that still are my quote-unquote all-time favorites from the BYU Creamery. Number one, Lavelle's Vanilla. Uh, Lavelle Edwards obviously uh, was famous for loving his vanilla ice cream, and you cannot beat a good vanilla, and BYU's Creamery does a pretty good job with that, with the with the van- Lavelle's Vanilla Ice Cream. And the other one I've got is actually Dave Rose, uh, Dave Rose's signature one, Rose's Snickerdoodle Ice Cream. It's got Snickerdoodle pieces in it. I'm a Snickerdoodle cookie fanatic. I absolutely love Snickerdoodles. And Coach Rose, uh, if you're out there uh, thinking of you, I actually had a great chance to catch up with him after the Gonzaga game for a hot minute. Very good to catch up with him. He's actually doing quite well, all things considered, uh, despite the health challenges he has faced since he retired. But uh, those are my two. So it's not Fluffernutter, Ryan. I apologize. I just can't do Fluffernutter. I've had it, but it's just it ain't my jam, but those are my two. Lavelle's Vanilla and Rose's Sneaker Doodle. Those are my two at the BYU Creamery, and yeah, I probably should rectify that. Maybe some, Any of you out there want to go get ice cream with me at some point? Maybe we can do that. Go take my wife and kids or something. We'll figure that out. We'll stop by the Creamery and enjoy some ice cream here relatively soon. All right. 
That's it. Thank you for joining us. It's been a fantastic show. I had a great time with today's show. I love these mailbag editions because uh, it, it's just fun to get your guys' thoughts on things and kind of weigh in on the questions you guys have got. So thank you for your support as always. You guys are absolutely marvelous out there. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen every single day. Now go make your second listen. Our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on all the Big 12 news you need to know about on today's show with Josh Neighbors. Get it free and available wherever you get your podcast. It's also available on YouTube. All right, that'll do it for myself. Have a great day, my friends. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.